In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. Today is the first Sunday of the Holy Great Fast, and in this Sunday um, we speak about holding treasures in heaven, preparing for ourselves to have treasures in heaven. We say in Matthew chapter 6, 19 through 20, it says, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. So the idea here is that we are laying up treasure, meaning we are preparing for ourselves something for the future. And the actions that we take today are going to have an effect to us in the future. And sometimes um, things of this nature where there's something that we have to do today that doesn't necessarily have an immediate effect, something that we have to do in the moment, then or, or a result that happens in the moment, we, we tend to put it off. We feel like this is not something urgent, something that we have to do immediately. We can always just keep putting it off, putting it off, putting it off, and then nothing really is going to happen in our minds because there is no immediate impact necessarily for these types of things. We are saying what the treasure that we will have in heaven is going to be in the future. We lay up for ourselves treasure in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys where and where thieves do not break in and steal. So this idea that we should be planning for the future, we need to be planning for something ahead. You know, sometimes we, we think in terms of, you know, we just need to have faith in God and trust and every day he's going to just lead us wherever we want, wherever he wants us to go. This is true, yes. But at the same time, we have to plan. We have to say, I'm going to plan for my life. I'm going to plan for my spiritual life. I'm going to prepare for myself something that I will enjoy in the future. So I want to speak a little bit today about planning. God praises planning, the idea of planning. Actually, in the Garden of Eden, immediately after the fall of Adam and Eve, we read that God is speaking and he says, And I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. What does this mean? He's saying what? He's, he's giving us the plan of salvation for the future. This is the plan of the coming of the Messiah who is going to be the one to crush the serpent and to grant salvation and restore Adam and Eve and all of humankind back again to him. This is a plan. This is something he's, he's, he's already prepared. God has already prepared for something that is going to happen far into the future. Also, we hear about Nehemiah. Nehemiah, when he heard that the walls of Jerusalem were in ruins, he prayed to the, before speaking to the king to get permission to go and to rebuild the wall. And he set a time for himself to go to, see the, to, to build the wall, and he obtained letters to allow himself passage and to obtain the, all of the materials and the wood that would be necessary for, for him to go to build the wall. And then even when he was there building, he says what? The God of heaven himself will prosper us, therefore we his servants will arise and build. Right? We his servants will arise and build. Imagine if Nehemiah who said, you know what, God wants the walls of Jerusalem to be built, so I'm just going to ask God to build them, and I'm going to sit back and watch and see what he does. But that wouldn't have worked. Nothing would have come of it, because Nehemiah was the one that was chosen by God to build. And God put it in the heart of Nehemiah to feel this motivation and the zeal to be the one to go and to pray and to ask the king for permission to go and to get the letters of permission and the materials and to actually go and to organize the people and do all the things that Nehemiah did to rebuild the wall. So it was done through human means. Even though God was 
obviously present in the whole process and protecting and blessing the work of Nehemiah and all the people to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. But it was done because a man, Nehemiah, did all of these actions and he prepared and he planned ahead of time. Also, we read about Joshua in, in Joshua chapter 8. There was, there was a city called Ai, and this city was the, the enemies of Israel. And God told Joshua to send up people to go and conquer Ai. And the first time they went and conquered Ai, they went and, and sent people to go attack them, and they failed. And the reason that they failed was because one of the people of Israel had sinned against God, and so God was not blessing um, their, their, their army, was not blessing their attack, and they failed, and some of their people were killed. Once they discovered this, uh, they, they got rid of this sinner from their midst, so, and God would bless them. But what did Joshua do the second time? When Joshua went to attack the city the second time, he didn't just say, well, let's just go attack the city. Right? He thought of a, a plan. What was his plan? His plan was that he was going to have a group of people go like a frontal attack on the city, and there will be other people in ambush that will come from behind to attack from behind. Right? So he was thinking like military tactics. How is it that we can defeat the city? He didn't just say to himself, well, God is going to grant us success and victory, so I don't have to do any planning. I don't have to do anything. I'm just going to go and everything will be fine. Right? It's the same concept that God blesses our work, but God wants us to take our work seriously. He wants us to put effort into what it is that we're doing. If, God, if we want to be successful in something, we have to study. If we want to be successful in our work, we have to work hard. If we want to be successful at parenting, we have to read and understand how is it that I should be a parent. If we want to be a successful deacon, we have to study and learn hymns. In whatever way, in whatever task that I'm given to do, I'm expected to put my full effort into it to prepare myself and to plan for the future. And then God will bless. It is not just that I sit and do nothing and say God is going to bless. So when it comes to salvation, how is it that we plan for our salvation? How is it that we prepare for our salvation? In Proverbs 16.9, it says, A man's heart plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps. A man's heart plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps. Meaning this is the, this is the relationship between the plans of man and the work of God. We plan our way, but God blesses this plan or redirects us even. Maybe I make a plan, but this is not the best plan. Maybe there's other, other ways, other directions, other paths that God wants me to go. He redirects me. But if I'm just sitting, not even planning, not even working, not even walking, there is nowhere to redirect. I'm not even doing any work. God redirects us. God directs us in the right path that we should go. So how should we plan for our salvation? The first characteristic of this plan of salvation that we have for ourselves is that we have to be diligent. In Proverbs 21, verse 5, it says, The plans of the diligent lead surely to plenty, but those of everyone who is hasty surely to poverty. Right? To be diligent in something, meaning I'm consistent, I'm doing something with, 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 with like discipline, I'm doing something consistently, I'm doing something with a, with a purpose, I'm not just haphazardly doing anything. When I wake up in the morning, I should have a plan for the day. And that plan doesn't just consist only of my work or my school or whatever it is that I have that day. But I should have a spiritual plan too. What is it? Especially now during the time of the great fast, we are we, like the whole purpose of the fast is so that I can prepare myself for something that is to come. It is a time of preparation. It is a time of planning. It is a time of being diligent and consistent in some action that I'm doing. In my fasting, I am diligent. Right? In my prayers, I am diligent. I'm, I'm, I'm pushing myself to do something that is laying up for myself treasures in heaven. And again, these treasures, might not, I might not experience them immediately. 
I might not notice them immediately. They are something that I'm laying up for myself so that in heaven, I have a storehouse of treasure. I have all this treasure laid up and prepared for me. Also, as part of this plan of salvation, we have to be self-motivated, right? We have to be self-motivated. In Proverbs chapter 6, King Solomon says, Go to the ant, you sluggard, consider her ways and be wise, which having no captain, overseer, or ruler, provides her supplies in the summer and gathers her food in the harvest. What does this mean? It says sometimes we are responsible because somebody is over us telling us what is it that we should do. And if we don't do what we should do, there is some kind of immediate consequence, immediate punishment. If I don't go to work on time, then I will be fired. If someone is telling me I have to do something and I don't do it, I will get in trouble. I will lose something, whether it be money or embarrassment or something that I will. There will be some consequence because someone is over me, directing me and telling me what I have to do. And I have no choice, but it is to follow them. But here in this verse, it's saying, what is it about the ant having no captain, overseer or ruler? The ant does not have someone over it, directing it, telling it, this is what you do. And if you don't do this, you will be in trouble. Actually, what is the motivation of the ant? If the ant doesn't do what is right, if the ant doesn't lay for itself food to eat, then a time will come when it will starve and it will have nothing to eat. So its motivation, it is internally motivated because it knows that what is the, what is the natural consequence of failure, that there will be some natural consequence of its failure and that there is, there is you know, it must work. It must work and it must be diligent. So this idea of self-motivation is very important because when it comes to our spiritual life there is no overseer there is no captain there is no person who is standing over me every day and 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 and, and telling me this is what you have to do and if you don't do it you're going to be in trouble somehow right so we end up procrastinating we end up being lazy we end up putting things off for tomorrow and the next day and the next day because i don't have an overseer I have to be self-motivated. I have to say, what is the reasons why I'm doing this? It is because I'm convinced. It's because I'm convinced that I'm laying up for myself treasures in heaven, and I can't just neglect this. This isn't something that I can neglect. And it's not because of some external consequence that is going to happen to me through another person that I'm doing this. I'm doing it because I know this is important for myself. Also, another um, characteristic of we who plan for our own salvation is that we have to count the cost. Do we know what it is that is being asked of us? Do we know what it is that God is asking us to do? And are we taking this seriously before we set out on this journey or not? In uh, Luke 14, 31, it says, Or what king going to make war with a, against another king does not sit down first and consider whether he is able with 10,000 to meet him who comes against him with 20,000. What is this saying? Saying if the king is going to go to war and he has an army and he wants to decide, am I going to go in battle in a war or am I going to make peace with this, with this enemy of mine? Well, I have to count and say, well, how many soldiers do I have? I have 10,000 soldiers. My enemy has 20,000 soldiers. So how am I going to go and fight against him? And if I choose to go fight against him, then maybe I will fail. So what is this? How does this apply to us? We are in this spiritual battle. Okay, we are in this spiritual battle and the, who is the enemy? The devil is the enemy. He is the one that is fighting against us. He is the one who is seeking to destroy us. So I look at myself and I say, am I fighting this fight with the right resources? Am I fighting it in the right way? Do I have enough 
in order to fight against him? Or am I trying to go and fight against him, maybe in my own strength, in my own power, but not in the power of God? I have to count the cost. What is it that I am giving up to be a Christian? What is it that I'm sacrificing to follow in the ways of Christ? Christ told us to sacrifice many things. He said, what, well, unless you hate your father and mother and your brother and sister and even your own life, then you cannot be my disciple. This is what he said, right? What does that mean? It means I have to not just be satisfied and comfortable with what I have today. I'm not just living my life for comfort. I'm not just living my life because I'm happy with the blessings that God has given me and that, that this is all I'm seeking in my life, that I'm seeking comfort. I'm seeking happiness for myself. I'm seeking vacations and I'm seeking big houses and I'm seeking fancy cars and I'm seeking all these good things that in themselves, yes, are good. But is this my goal? Is this my goal for my life is to have these things? Or is the goal for my life to be with God? And if God blesses me with these things, that's fine, right? But what is my goal? What is my target? Am I counting the cost of what it means to be a Christian? Am I willing to sacrifice and give up what it is that I have in order to gain more, in order to lay up these treasures in heaven or not? There is also a type of planning that we do without God. You know, so there's, there's, there's one temptation of saying, I'm not going to plan spiritually at all. I'm not going to make any plans. My life is just going to be like this every day. Whatever happens, happens. I'm not living with any kind of purpose, right? But there's another opposite is the person who makes many, many plans, but these plans are without God in them. <clears throat> in Proverbs 19.21, it says, There are many plans in a man's heart, nevertheless the Lord's counsel that will stand. Sometimes we make plans and these plans are foolish. Sometimes we make plans and these plans are um, kind of delusional, that we believe that we can do things or achieve things or, or, or work towards certain things that either are not right or we're seeking them the wrong way or at the wrong time. One reason that we might make these plans is because we live for pleasure. We live only for ourselves. We only live to satisfy ourselves. In Luke chapter 12, Christ spoke about this parable and he said, the ground of a certain rich man yielded plentifully. And he thought within himself saying, what shall I do since I have no room to store my crops? So he said, I will do this. I will pull down my barns and build greater. And there I will store all my crops and my goods. And I will say to my soul, soul, you have many goods laid up for many years. Take your ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, fool, this night your soul will be required of you. Then whose will those things be which you have provided? Who is this person in this parable? This is, this is a person whose only concern in life is their, their, their themselves. And what is it that I can gain for myself? What physical things, what material things can I gain for myself and for my own pleasure? And this is my whole thought. This is, this is everything that I think about is based on this, myself. So he's saying, what? I made so much money, I'm just going to build bigger barns. Right? Well, what's wrong with building bigger barns? What's wrong with expanding? What's wrong with like someone who has a business to grow their business? There's nothing wrong with that. The, the, the issue here is what? Is this person, this is the only thoughts that they have. This is the only things they think of is I, want, I only care about growing myself. I only care about having more money, more crops, more stores. You know? And he's saying what? You have many goods laid up for many years. So take your ease, eat, drink, and be merry, meaning just indulge in your life. Just live your life however you want to live, enjoy it, 
don't put any effort, don't plan for anything in the future because you have all the financial means, you have all the wealth in order to live in this lifestyle. So don't even bother doing anything else. Don't bother trying to give to the poor. Don't bother trying to go to church. Don't bother trying to pray. Don't bother trying to fast or do anything that, that makes your life more difficult. Why would I fast? I, I want to eat, you know? So the idea that, that what once my goal is to just be comfortable. My goal is I just want to live for myself and nothing else. This is planning without God. Maybe we plan to be financially wealthy, but do we plan to lay up treasures in heaven? Another characteristic or a person who doesn't plan with God is someone who works vainly, in vain labor. Okay, In, in Psalms 127 it says, Unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who build it. Unless the Lord guards the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. It is vain for you to rise up early, to sit up late, to eat the bread of sorrows, for so he gives his beloved sleep. What does this mean? Sometimes we want to build something and, and we put so much effort into it, but God is not in it. God is not in our plans by any means. God is not helping us. God doesn't want us to build what it is that we're trying to build. You know, imagine like the, the Tower of Babel when the people were trying to build a tower and they looked at what they did and they said, wow, this is a, this is a great feat we are building this Tower of Babel. But why are they building it? They're building to escape from God. They're building it because if God wants to send a flood on the world again, that they will be able to climb this tower and escape the wrath of God. They're building it because they think they can reach heaven on their own, through their own efforts. So this is vain. This is vain labor. And sometimes we appear to be very successful. We appear to be doing many things that are successful. We appear to be very successful in our jobs. But when we really look at it, we ask ourselves, is this vain labor? Where is this labor taking me? Is this labor only increasing the, the money in my bank account, but is then at the same time preventing me from going to church, preventing me from doing other things because of the sheer number of hours and the exhaustion that I'm feeling when I have another option? Maybe I do have another option. Maybe there's some other option that I don't have to be putting this many hours. Maybe there's another option that can allow me to still invest in my spiritual life. So I asked myself, am I laboring in vain? And he says what? So he gives his beloved sleep. He gives his beloved sleep. Who is, who, what is the sleep? He gives us rest, right? Maybe, maybe I'm living my life very stressed because I'm trying to build in vain. I'm trying to build something apart from God, away from God. And this will result in me being stressed and tired and exhausted all the time. Whereas God actually returned to him and he says, no, I don't want you to do any of this labor. This labor is what's stressing you and I will grant you peace and I will grant you comfort. This is another type of plan without God. Another type of plan without God is one that is based on greed. In James chapter 4 it says, Come now, you who say, today or tomorrow we will go to such and such a city, spend a year there, buy and sell and make profit, whereas you do not know what will happen tomorrow, for what is your life? It is even a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. Again, this is a type of vain plan, and it is based on, again, our desire to make a profit, that I want more for myself. Today or tomorrow we will go to such and such a city. We are making all of these worldly, earthly plans, right? But what about the heavenly plans? What about the plan that God wants us to have? I'm saying that tomorrow this is my plan, and the day after this is my plan, but this is, again, only to make a profit. What about the spiritual profit? And he says, whereas you do not know what will happen tomorrow, do we live our lives as though we are invulnerable? Do we live our lives as though we will live forever? 
Do we live our lives as though there will be no consequence for any of our sins? Or do we live a life where we are always keenly aware that in every way that there is a reckoning for sin? In every way there is a judgment. In every way God is looking and watching us. How is it that I am going to live? Do I, am, I, am I living a life of repentance or not? Am I living a life where I, I want to be right with God or not? So in conclusion, in this Sunday, we speak about how we should be laying up treasures in heaven and how God praises planning and wants us to plan. And he wants us to plan not only for our lives, but he wants us to plan for our eternal life. And this eternal planning is the thing we should always have in our mind all the time, but especially during the fasting period, because the fasting is a time of recalibration where I recalibrate my mind and say, you know what, maybe I'm used to living my life for myself. Maybe I'm used to living my life focusing only on my plans for my future in the world. And God wants us to focus more on our eternal plans. What am I doing to lay up treasures for myself in heaven? And glory be to God forever. Amen.